0: Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Welcome back to Cut for
1: Time, Joey. Hey, hey, we're still in season three, right?
0: Yeah, it's a long season, and it's Going to be primarily Galatians.
1: Well, yeah, but it, we know it's a season, not an era, because it has a start and an end, right? Like Nathan told us. Yes. At the celebration of ministry on Sunday.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: For the sixty-eight people that were there.
0: You could relate,
1: yeah. You, you can relate to this, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was good context. It's an era, but this is a season, and we promise it will end. And this is a season. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so
1: for those of you just hanging on, you know, you can barely (laughs) get through this. It will end.
0: It will end. Um, all right, Joey, give us a summary of what you preached on Sunday, which is from Galatians three verses 15 through
1: 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So 15 through 22. Okay. So we're continuing Paul's argument, or he's continuing his argument about why Gentile believers in Jesus should not put themselves under the law. He's made a number of different points here. Look, even those who are under the law are cursed. Why would you want that? Um, That was the previous verses right here. He's saying, look, the, the law doesn't get you the inheritance that was promised to Abraham. It's that inheritance is like a will and you don't add something to a will later. The law came later and it came through an intermediary and it came, you know, it's very different than the promise. Um, So, don't put yourself under the law. It doesn't get the promise and the inheritance you're looking for. And then he has to answer some obvious objections to that, well, then why did God give the law in the first place? And is the law actually contradicting the promises of God? And so you say, No, no, no. And trying to answer those questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Joey, I noticed that you skipped a few verses, verses 19 and 20, when you Mm -hmm. were preaching through the passage. So can you give us, would you first, I guess, read them for us and then give us some more context and understanding around those verses and maybe why did you not include that information on Sunday? Sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to back up to verse 18. It's Paul saying, look, if the inheritance came or comes by the law, comes by your obedience and faithfulness to keeping the Torah regulations, the law then that promise or that inheritance no longer comes by a promise. Obviously it can't work that way because God gave it to Abraham. He gave the inheritance to Abraham by a promise. Okay. So well then what was the whole point of the law? Why then the law? And that next phrase is difficult to understand where he says it was added because of transgressions. My take on it is that this was added in order to clarify and define sin. Once sin is defined, it can be dealt with. And something was needed in order to keep Israel from sliding into pagan worship and basically self-destructing as a nation. You know, if Messiah is going to come through these people, these people need to last together long enough for Messiah to come. And which is why, okay, the law was added in order to define transgressions. Transgression means law breaking until that offspring, the Messiah, should come to whom the promise had been made. Um, And then what I skipped was what's kind of opaque, difficult to understand. What does he mean when, what does Paul mean when he says, and it, presumably the law, was put in place through angels by an intermediary? Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So Very, it's clear as mud, Clear as mud. I, tr- I wrote out, I mean, I had 600 words or so about this and realizing it was going to take me five or six minutes to explain it. And I was already, I already knew I was going to go four or five minutes longer than I should. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to save that for cut for time, that whole yeah. explanation. Yeah. And really, I mean, it's, it's important stuff, but it is, a, it's not the core of the argument. So I felt like I could, I could gloss over it a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'll take six minutes and explain it, I guess. Unless that's enough, and then we should just, yep, I skipped it, and we'll skip it again, and then leave people wanting wanting more. Give
0: us some more, yep.
1: Okay, so um, with the point being made, if Torah hadn't been given, the people of Israel would have self-destructed. There would have been no one left for God to fulfill his promise to or through, right? So then in the rest of the verses, Paul's talking about this uh, intermediary. Okay. Verse 19, it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. When we read in other places in the New Testament about the coming of the law on Mount Sinai, I mean, you think of Moses like being on the mountain, talking with God, coming down with these tablets, you know, yeah. the 10 and, and he breaks all 10 commandments at once. And and uh, that's a really bad old Sunday school joke. But um when Stephen tells the story in Acts 7, when Hebrews references it, it talks about uh, the angel that meeting Moses on the mountain. Now, I'm not sure why, you know, it says angel meets with Moses on the mountain and not God, like it seems to in Deuteronomy. I didn't dig into it to try to find out, but this is in the same vein as that. Okay, so when God was making the promise to Abraham, it was God making the promise to Abraham, God's going to fulfill the promise. When God gives the law to Moses, it's an angel giving the law to Moses and Moses is the one implementing it. So Paul is putting the two kind of next to each other and saying, look, with Abraham, it was God and Abraham directly. With Moses, it's Moses and an angel. With Abraham, it's God who's going to make this happen. With Moses, Moses is the one doing it. So he's saying, and I think he's saying basically, look, it's, there's an intermediary and an angel. That means it's automatically lower status than God and God doing it. Mm-hmm. So- that's the first part of, of verse 19. Um, he's just another reason for why the law is a, a lower status than the promise. Okay. But then verse 20 is the one that's really confusing, okay? So, uh, and, and disputed. I mean, the grammar is dense and depending on what you think is referring to what. Anyway, in, in Greek, it's literally, um, so it says in verse 19, put in place through angels by an intermediary. And then in Greek, it says, but he is not mediator of one but God is one. So it's like, okay, most translations take it to be saying something like an ESV does. ESV does as well. um, Saying something like, but, but he, the intermediary is not a mediator for one party only, but multiple parties. Like that's the implication. That's why it says here. um, But uh, now an intermediary implies more than one. The word implies isn't there in the Greek. And so it's, what does it mean when it says he is not mediator of one? It, uh, so does that mean he's mediator of two like, mm-hmm. or multiple parties? So it implies multiple parties. Um, I think that that's a valid translation. Uh, in my opinion, the best way to understand this is that he, the mediator, Moses, right? Who's referred to in verse 19, the mediator. He is not the mediator of the one, the one family that Paul has been talking about in this whole chapter you know the whole the question of the whole chapter is how does abraham get his one worldwide family so when it says here but he moses you know he's not the mediator the the one who brings about the one family i mean just look at the law and you know it says the only thing it says to uh, gentiles is keep out or submit to the knife and then you can come in Um, moses was never intended to be the guy who brought the two together into the one family Um, but god is one he said, so I think the implication there is God is one. He desires the one family, but it wasn't going to come through Moses. It wasn't going to come. He was, he was never the guy who was supposed to make it happen. Um, interestingly, in Romans, you know, Paul writes Romans much later than Galatians, but he'll say there, you know, is God the God of the Jews only? No. Or of the Gentiles too? No, of course, he's the God of both. And it says God is one and justifies both the circumcised and the uncircumcised by faith so there, the same idea of you know god is one uh is used to say and therefore he he interacts with people in only one way justification by faith jew or gentile doesn't matter so um yeah so what's happening here you know the moses was given a law by an angel that he himself put into place that is designed to keep jews and gentiles apart so that jews will stay intact as a nation until the promised Messiah can come through them. And then we move back up to the promise to Abraham, Jew and Gentile come together by faith or because of their faith in the faithful sacrifice of Israel's Messiah on their behalf. So it would have made the sermon longer to try to explain all that. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, that, that's I, I understand. It. And I appreciate that. That's a great explanation. Um, so moving on into like, how does this argument continue into what are we looking at next week and how yeah. does it all connect?
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, chapter three, verse six, all the way through three, verse 29 are making this one main argument and that Abraham gets, has one family, one worldwide family made of Jews and Gentiles, both, who come into that family the same way by faith in the faithfulness of the Messiah to, uh, to Torah and to e- even more than just to Torah, but to actually fulfilling the, the calling of the nation of Israel as a whole to, to be um, to be faithful followers of Torah, uh, to be witnesses to the world, to be new creation, even in the midst of this old creation. So all of that. So uh, where we're going in the next couple of verses now, before, faith i'm going to try not to preach next week's sermon here yeah. um before faith came and faith there is like one word that a whole lot of stuff is smashed into it means both the faithfulness of the messiah and our faith that we respond when we see that we respond with faith so before mm-hmm. that came in other words before the gospel came we were held captive by the law we were imprisoned um, the law was our babysitter um, is the word there until christ came in order that we might be justified by faith in the faithfulness of the messiah but now that faith has come we're not under that babysitter don't put yourself back we're not under that babysitter anymore so don't put yourself back under it's like you're an adult now don't put yourself back under the care of a babysitter you're you're free now don't put yourself back in prison is what he's trying to say and then there is a, a radical redefinition of what what kind of people get in to this family there is no slave or free no jew or greek there's no male and female That's, Mm -hmm. those aren't the, the, you know, the boundary, whatever you use in order to get in. So, Mm -hmm. and and this whole chapter is culminating in verse 29. If you are in Christ, if you're in the Messiah, then you are in Abraham. You're Abraham's family. You are his family line and you stand to inherit the promise.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. We've heard a few different like analogies for the law um Mm -hmm. did you mention it was like a splint or somebody had yeah 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 yeah
1: somebody mentioned mentioned that to me it
0: was like a babysitter um like any other analogies that you've like picked up on when you've read other commentaries or things you're thinking about to give us a different perspective Mm. of being under the law temporarily and um then being free from the law but i don't know like the passage that you were just mentioning, that we're going to be talking about, being imprisoned um, or captive mm-hmm. under the law, it gives us like a, more of a negative connotation, maybe than yeah, right, a then like a splint, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Help us understand those things.
1: Yeah, you know, Paul seems to go back and forth almost between the law is a good thing versus a bad thing. Now, I think what he's trying to do here, he, he he's very adamant that the law is good, but temporary and anything that is good but temporary like a splint becomes a bad thing if you hold on to it past its point of usefulness sure. um and he's also in verse 23 he's coming back to this argument again look, looking at these gentile believers in Jesus saying like he's saying to them look at the situation of Jews under the law you don't want that that's a cursing jesus is rescuing them from the curse why put yourself under the curse in order to just be rescued again. You're already rescued from a curse you weren't under, you know, that sort of thing. So um, one other illustration I did here is that the law is like a uh, rocket booster. So when a a rocket ship goes up, you know, it needs a lot of fuel and a lot of energy to escape the Earth's atmosphere. And so there's a large fuel tank that is burned, almost entirely burned up in its exit from the atmosphere. And then it ejects that empty fuel tank, Mm -hmm. right? It was a good thing, but if it kept a hold of it too long, then... The mass of the rocket ship would be way oh it'd be way too heavy. It'd be more difficult to maneuver and all of that. So you eject it when you're done with it, and then move on with what you're supposed to. So that was another analogy for the law. Okay. Good, but temporary.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for helping us understand that. All right. Well, well, we will be back here next week, and it will be the mid-season finale of Woo-hoo! season three. Cut for time.
1: We're gonna have to end on a cliffhanger, right? What will they preach next?
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.
1: Hi, Hazel. Does Hazel have a question about last week's sermon? Do you want to ask me a question about it? I love you. Oh, that's a great question. I love you too. You want to ask him a question? Yeah, and do you want to play with me? Yes, I would love to play with you. When can we have a play date? Next week. Okay, next week, we'll make it happen. I'll, I'll talk to your mommy and daddy and we'll make it happen, okay? Should I bring you- Anna?